Faces come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times, somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago just to up and leave it All right, folks, welcome back. Rooster Road Trip, Episode 3 edition of On the Wing Podcast. This is the, let's call it the Conservation Officer Edition, because <laughs> we have been, we have had our licenses checked multiple times now. Apparently, Andrew, uh, traveling in a uh, caravan of vehicles draws people's attention. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're definitely out in force uh, during opening weekends in general, but when you see a, a few large trucks all lined up together. It's just easy pickings. It's like, all right, like this is just being efficient. And that's what you want out of your state agencies. You want you want efficiency and like, federal agencies. Yep, and, and, and federal agencies. We've been checked by both. <laughs> you know, but we're also covering some ground. I mean, we're roughly 500 miles away from uh, where we were the last time we we spoke to our lovely audience here. Yeah. So you know, you put on more miles, you see more people, and your chances of uh, having fun conversations go up. So uh, Andrew, um, my my sidekick. How do you how do you like that? <laughs> we'll the, say co-host. There I'm, we go. I'm the Robin oh, to your Batman. That's fine. The the, the Rooster Road Trip uh, quarterback, the person putting all the logistics together, uh, vice president of marketing for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, joins me back again for episode three of Rooster Road Trip. Um, tell listeners a little bit about what we're covering today. Um, so uh, we've uh, hunted two different states. Well, the same state as our, our last episode. So we had a, another day in Iowa, and then we uh, punched it further west into Nebraska, where we are today. And we just wrapped up our first day in Nebraska. Um, but we'll, we'll be taking folks through uh, what we encountered along the way. And we encountered some stuff. Yeah, it's been... It's been um, a very birdie trip. It's been very fun. Um, as we roll into it, the uh, face that you've seen in the videos and the photos throughout the duration uh, of Rooster Road Trip this year, uh, Lexi Ashbrook joining us. Yes. Uh, Lexi, thank you very much for, for being a part of Road Trip, for being a part of the podcast. For folks that uh, don't know you, Give a little bit of background of who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you do for the organization. Yes, so I am Lexi. I am originally from Colorado, but I have been a Midwest gal for about the last six years. I can't seem to get away. Um, <laughs> I am the Eastern Iowa Regional Rep. I live in East Central Iowa, so Independence area. And I've been on with PF for about a little over a year now. My year mark was last week, um, celebrated my one-year PF birthday. Um, I have learned so much with this job. I cover all of Eastern Iowa, um, minus like the last 10 counties in Iowa, the southern half. So everything east of 35 all the way down to um, Burlington and um, Monroe County is pretty much my yeah. farthest west county in Iowa. So... I have a lot of banquets, a lot of youth events, a lot of women's events, and they keep me on my toes and keep me busy. So, so as a regional rep, just y you work with chapters to yep. put on events and tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm pretty much like the go-to person for chapters if they need any help with their banquets, 
um, setting up youth events, planning women's hunts, learn to shoots, learn to hunts, um, the pretty much the one-stop shop for chapters if they need anything, because we need to know everything there is to know for them. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a wealth of knowledge that is at their disposal. So we try to give them what they need when they need it. And so they can have good events and um, just deliver mission and bring more people into the organization and into the hunting world. So it's very rewarding. And you are our AAA traveler of the road trip, <laughs> uh, fully endorsed. Uh, you, you get yeah. a uh, lifetime membership for, to AAA. <laughs> I should. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how many extra miles you've put on uh, to be a part of this year's Rooster Road Trip. Yes. So I just love you guys so much. I just had to come back for the rest of the trip. I couldn't just leave you hanging. So I totaled it up. Um, I did have to make a trip down to southeast Iowa for a um, learn to hunt event for women um, with the Louisa County chapter, which I'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. Um, But my total mileage that I calculated additional that I made in probably between two days, um, 845 (laughs) miles. (laughs) So when did you leave us? So I left um, Friday night and got back Saturday night, (laughs) (laughs) I made a five-hour trip from Jackson, Minnesota down to Southeast Iowa for the women's hunt on Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Had to make a couple of trips to um, pick up some stuff for chapters. That was about three different stops. Had to drop some stuff off for chapters (laughs) in Mm -hmm. Janesville, and then I made my way to Western Iowa that night, and I got back on Saturday night around 1130. So. And you were up at what time the next morning? I think we got up at like 6 or 6.30. I can't remember what time we left that day, but it was early. It might, might have even been earlier <laughs> It was, it was that. earlier than yeah. that. And, and to be very clear, I tried to talk Lexi <laughs> out of this from the beginning. I was like, you know, we want you to be, be a part of this. You don't have to come to Minnesota. Like you can just yeah. pick us up in western Iowa, save yourself the headache. And she, and she wouldn't have it. She's like... No, I, I'm doing this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a rep. This is what we do. Like, <laughs> trust me, I, I, I can spend some time in my Subaru. We're, we're good. Yeah. Um, but it, it's worked out. Yeah. I think by the time it was all said and done after all the running around, it was like a, th- a little over a thousand miles that I put on in a couple wow. of days. Any speeding tickets along the way? Zero. That's I'm, why you're the AAA good traveler. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Uh, you said you grew up in Colorado, and yeah. you were telling me in the field a little bit about growing up as a pheasant hunter. Yes. Um, if you're comfortable, share a little bit about that. Yeah. So I grew up in northeast Colorado, um, Fort Morgan brush area, and there's some wild pheasants there, but we didn't. I didn't really grow up hunting there. Um, my dad and I grew up hunting Lake McConaughey area in Nebraska every year. Never failed. It was amazing. We didn't grow up with, well, I didn't grow up with dogs and neither, neither did he. So we were the two warriors making sure we had down birds and we would sprint after them so we could recover them. So you'd them. shoot and yeah. then sprint after that bird. <laughs> yeah. My dad always called me his bird dog. So I was usually the one retrieving cause I was not a very good shot as an 11 or 12 year old yet. Um, but yeah, we never miss an opening day like McConaughey, um, wildlife areas and it was just the two of us Mm. we had a ball he taught me everything that I know about hunting now um and I just got my first bird dog about a year ago she's she'll be she just turned a year at the beginning of October um and I just it's one of those moments that I just wish that he could have seen 
her in action or just any he never really hunted with dogs in general no labs nothing it was just him and the gun Hmm. it was his time his way to get away and just experience nature and just get some a sustainable way to get some um, fresh meat and just connect with the world so you you alluded to this and you referred to your dad in the past tense yes um so your dad has passed away yep um Yep. So, um, oh, a little over two years ago now, almost about two and a half years, um, it has, my dad passed away from brain cancer. Um, and that was just obviously really hard for me just as mm-hmm. a young adult, because that's just not something any young adult, um, wants to go through, especially someone that does everything with their dad and the outdoors and every, somebody that learns from their father so much. And so I've taken everything I know from him and applied it to what I know now from, you know, as when I was old enough to hold a shotgun is when I started hunting and got my hunter's ed. And it's just, there's never a day that goes by, especially like hunting in Nebraska now is bittersweet for me. Um, as soon as opening day rolled over, I was like, man, I just, I think about those days with my dad hunting in those public areas and we never hunted private land. We never really had access to it. So he, we, and I rely on that more now than ever anyways. So today was a lot of fun for me just to kind of reminisce on the days that we had together. And, um, I just really wish he could see Timber and he would have loved to watch her work and shoot a bird over her. So Timber is your young German shorted pointer who is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Um, so Timber, where'd the name come from? Um, so I actually thought that she came with that name and mm. I was like, oh, that's really, that's really unique and cute. I really like that. Well, it turns out her name wasn't Timber at all. And it was like <laughs> a Piper or something. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to keep it as Timber. I mm. really liked that. So it stuck and she's, she's a Timber. So yeah. yeah, she's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, it's, um, thank you for sharing a yeah. deeply personal story. Yep. I do think it's really valuable for folks to hear that, you know, we never know how many Octobers, how many openers, how many days we have for ourselves or with the ones we love. Whether it's mom, dad, um, a child, or a bird dog. Um, So thank you for sharing that story and thank you for being on Rooster Road Trip. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy to be here. And your dad would be pretty happy you work for Pheasants Forever. Oh my gosh. It would be like such a full, full circle moment for him. I started hunting with him as a kid and then all through high school, all through college. And then now like through grad school and now I'm like working for Pheasants Forever. It's just a really cool for full circle moment yeah, for me. Right so, on. That yeah. is cool. Yeah. I'd really like that. If he, if he could see me now, he would be super happy. Yeah. Pumped. Cool. Um, ben Wheeler, welcome back to On the Wing podcast. You know, you, you got rave reviews last time you were on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, lots of people saying, you know, Ben, so last time you were on was the Prairie Grouse Primer episode, uh, talking about sharp tail and prairie chickens, and you were you were dropping knowledge left and right. You probably didn't even know it. It was falling out of your pockets. Uh, I, I did not know <laughs> it. No. Uh, but for folks that didn't hear that one, I'll, I'll say, go back and listen to the Prairie Grouse um, podcast. It was really interesting to learn about prairie chickens, um, 
greater, lesser, sharp tails. Uh, but for folks that didn't hear that, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for the organization. Yeah, so my name is Ben. I'm, I work in Nebraska, um, right in the middle of the state. Uh, I've, I've got a kind of a funny shape area there. Uh, it, looks like, it looks like someone spilled a cup of coffee. <laughs> on the map of Nebraska, right in the middle. Right and that's your middle. geography? That's my geography. So <laughs> it doesn't follow county boundaries or, or like those typical um, straight line polygon boundaries. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a landscape. I work with our, our state wildlife action plan, which is um, a plan, a blueprint, we like to call it, to conserve at-risk species and habitats in our area. Um, so from a Pheasants Forever perspective, um, to kind of widen the things that we get involved with and widen our mission, a lot of times I get, if, if you're familiar with our mission, I get really involved with that part of our mission that says, and other wildlife. Mm. Um, so I do a lot of work with uh, with things like prairie chickens. Um, that's Those are kind of my bread and butter and, and those native rangeland um, landscapes. Um, grassland birds and um, pollinators and just a lot of grass and wildlife that needs those native places that are, um, if we're not careful, we'll lose. And so we're just trying to do our best to keep, to make sure we keep the good things that we have out there right now. So for folks that aren't familiar word for word with the mission of the organization, it says um, pheasants, quail, and other wildlife that right. it, it, what you're referring to the conservation efforts habitat efforts pheasants quail and other wildlife in that other wildlife it'd be sharp tails prairie chickens pollinators it, when i think of when i think of you i think of prescribed fire we do a lot of fire yeah i but i think very specifically about you and prescribed fire that's a big part of your role to create habitat for other wildlife as well as pheasants and quail, isn't it? Yeah, and not not only creating, but expanding that to to just maintaining habitat, and so making sure the habitat that we have out there right now stays in a productive place, and a uh, and we can do that through maintenance, through fire maintenance, and so a lot of times we think of we think of wildlife habitat work as coming in and doing a top to bottom um, total restoration. And sometimes some of the best things we can do for some of the habitat that's already existing out there is is, is just like tweaking it a little bit. Mm. Just going in and adding adding a little bit in here that might not revamp it, mm-hmm. but keeps it productive. Cool. Um, because any habitat, I mean, any habitat out there is going to is going to shift. It's going to move. It we have a successional pattern that it moves along, and if we want to keep that in grassland if we want to keep it from moving into like a woodland right we have to add some processes there and one of those things is is prescribed fire so we do a lot of that um, especially in our native rangeland where it's already grassland Um, it's usually working land that people are running their cattle on and so we can do that to keep it productive for wildlife and the upshoot there is from a working land landscape it keeps it productive for cattle grazing as well and so it's a really unique opportunity that we have, and we don't always have this in conservation, where we can do something that's beneficial to wildlife, mm-hmm. and it's also beneficial to productive uses of that land. It's a cash-positive system. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you can think of a lot. I mean, I won't. I don't want to run any conservation issue under the bus, but you can think of a lot of issues around the country, around the world, where doing good work for wildlife is sometimes at odds with land use there and mm. and the economics. And we're really fortunate in Nebraska where um, it's 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 not at odds. Mm-hmm. It's it's really productive in both ways, and we can we can kind of shake hands and do good work there for uh, for livestock grazing and also for things like sharp tails for greater prairie chickens. And I think about the third element economically is creating public access to bring um, hunters out to the fields to buy licenses or to <laughs> track. How many miles, Lexi? <laughs> <laughs> Over 800. <laughs> um, to bring non-resident hunters <laughs> from, from Iowa and Colorado to uh, chase birds in some of these properties that um, are tailor-made for pheasants, quail, mm-hmm. and other wildlife. So uh, as we go through this a little bit, I, I will ask you, I'll ask you both, talk about some of the habitat from a, to, to help listeners identify what's going to be productive when they're driving around looking for a, a place to let their bird dog out of their kennel. I do want to add the caveat that even though um, pheasants and pheasant habitat is not um, my prime responsibility in my nine to five job, even though I'm a Pheasants Forever employee, Mm -hmm. um, we have many other staff in Nebraska that are doing that. So I don't want to come across that it's being ignored. We have a lot of staff in Nebraska that are working um, hard every day with the conservation reserve program with getting CRP access on the ground and um, doing really good things very specifically for pheasants. And so uh, even though I'm not doing that uh, in my job and once in a while I dabble in pheasant work, um, there's a lot of people that are and, and doing really good work for, for pheasants out there. Right. Right. Um. All right. So we will trans transition to, the rooster road trip day three. Do we have to? I mean, Ben's speaking my love language. We got beef, birds, and grasslands. It's like, come on. More, well, we're more gonna, please. We're going to talk about <laughs> Oh, fine. You, you, can, you can drop in some of those uh, nuggets of wisdom and questions for Ben as we go. Fair enough. Um, before we get started, like, I, I do have a question. Like, Does anybody know off the top of their head, like, what percentage of Iowa is, is privately owned? Um. I I know it's in the 40th, uh, I'm sorry, so they rank the states 1 through 50 in terms of percentage of public land. I know Kansas is 49th. Iowa, I think, is in that 40 to 50 range. Yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure. So it's it's a lot of private land. I want to say 97% privately owned. So so this is what I'm getting at. So it's... People are gonna have to forgive me. My brain's getting mushy. Everything's blurring together, but let's let's go for it. So this would have been day four of Rooster Road Trip, the second hunt in Iowa. Sunday of opening Sa- weekend. Sunday of opening weekend. Second hunt. Um, one thing I, I really wanted to key in on while hunting in Iowa, which was different than what we did in the, in the, uh, during the last episode. Um, was bringing up the IHAP program. Mm-hmm. So the Iowa Habitat and Access Program. Selfishly, I wanted to find an area that was really rich in this because every single time I've ever put my boots on a piece of IHAP, the habitat is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just so birdy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, why not 
highlight a program that's so incredibly important to access within the state of Iowa. I mean, it represents over 32,000 acres of private land that is opened to public access. And that's a huge deal in a, mm-hmm. in a state like Iowa. And not only that, but it's like, it's all so good. Yeah. So I would agree with you. Like there's a, a walk-in programs are terrific, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to pick out names, all the acronyms all over the country. However, I will agree with you and highlight that two states that we've hunted in the last two days, in my opinion, my singular opinion, the two best walk-in programs are IHAP in Iowa and Open Fields and Waters in Nebraska because it layers on habitat improvements with that access. Because yeah. you go to IHAP and they're always birdie in the same thing with Open field. I've written blogs all 14 years of uh, rooster road trip when we've been in Nebraska, Nebraska never disappoints and it. I'll point to open fields and waters every single time. So that's why I wanted to key in on because as we're kind of just throwing darts at maps, at least, you know, that if, if it hasn't been grazed that like what you're going to find has a really good potential to, to hold birds. Um, so that takes some of the risk out of just, traveling you know 500 whatever miles away and like ending up at a, at a something that's just kind of junky in terms of bird production um because after all we are here to hunt birds mm-hmm. and not only hunt birds but like experience the true iowa opening weekend culture um you know <laughs> being able to spend time with with, with the divins and, and mm-hmm. like understand like uh, how they spend all of their opening days together. That was super unique and mm-hmm. super fun to kind of like feel like you were a part of like their moment. Um, this was different. This was more of the, all right, let's just see how everybody else is doing it in a different part of the state. And uh, so you know, Lexi showed up from her sojourn across the state at nearly midnight the night before. And then we were alarms, you know, before six, because we knew it was going to be another, get to your spot early and kind of like plant your flag. So you at least have something to walk. That was a really early morning. It wasn't as early as the opening morning. Cause I think my alarm clock went off. That was four 30. Yep. This one, it was barely enough time because when we got out to our spot, there were vehicles circling. And I think it was, I think my alarm went off at like four forty-five or five o'clock. It was super early. Yeah, I remember thinking, well, I know Bob hates duck hunting because he hates getting up early, but here here we are. He might as well be chasing <laughs> ducks. And I must say, folks, like right now, it is ducky out there. So uh, there's a lot of ducks. I hope our camel clad friends have been having fun yeah, because yeah. you look up and it's like, oh, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> so we drive to the spot, which wasn't very far outside of the town we were staying. And we were, <laughs> we were figuring out spots and trucks were racing around us like there were, i remember a white suburban that basically went in the ditch to go around us because we weren't going fast enough. do you remember that vehicle? i remember that um but anyways so we so we start uh we park i park and a vehicle pulled in to the open or i'm sorry the ihap land what 100 yards behind me? Closer than that. 50 so, yards? So, I mean, I had people strung along the south end of this property just trying to, like, have one side. And it was a, a big uh, group of IHAPs in the same area. We knew it would be busy. And it's just it's opening weekend. You know you're probably end up sharing fields with others. 
And that's totally fine. As long as you're being safe, respectful, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first day in Iowa, we spoke with the gentleman and we all agreed, okay, we're going to go this way. You go that way. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Um, you know, but we had a game plan. We, right? we had a game plan. Um, so similar thing, you know, we lined up our, our, a few trucks just to have like at least one side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this guy, he was within, he was within 50 yards of you, Bob. Like, he let, was, let, let's call it what it was. Like, he, he was he close. Got, he got right up on you. And um, so, it, it, and I mentioned as we started the episode that our caravan draws conservation officers. <laughs> and that, uh, that drew a conservation officer. Um, unfortunately for the gentleman who pulled in and parked behind me, he must have been playing – he must have thought we were in Nebraska because he was playing by the sunrise rule, not the 8 o'clock Iowa rule, which was unfortunate for him because we were talking to the conservation officer when the gentleman entered the field and proceeded to shoot at a rooster 20 minutes before opening shooting hours. And – the conservation officer was right there with talking to us. So there was no getting around it. I was like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? He's almost like, really? Did that, um, that did, just happened. That just happened. He's like, okay. So we were all good. We had all of our licenses, but, um, um, we proceeded a little bit further to the West than we had intended to provide safety for the gentleman that was, entering the field well before shooting time, which actually turned out just fine yeah, for us. It worked It worked. Doubtful that it turned out fine for him because the conservation officer was waiting by his truck. Yep. And like, and you, we have no idea what happened. You, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of, you know, it's, it's close enough to other States and other States have different, like, um, you know, uh, rules and regulations, but it just emphasizes the fact of follow the rules and regulations yeah. and know them. And people are watching. Yeah, everyone's watching. Yeah, like you're you're never as alone as you as you think you are, and we know that for sure by just having people roll up on us with badges all the time. It's like, where did you just come from? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, so we slide down a little bit further to the west, and I alluded to this, which it was very fortuitous because I'll pass the the microphone to Lexi, and you can take yeah. us through. What what's going through your mind as you enter the field for for uh, day two of the Iowa season with lots of miles under your belt <laughs> and very little sleep? I had an itchy trigger finger that morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was my legs needed stretched, my finger needed stretched. I was ready to pull the trigger on a bird, and I needed to get over the miss that I had in Minnesota because of a safety. Couldn't pop a safety off in time. Mm. So I was ready for some redemption. Um, I think it was, what, 10, 15 minutes into the field. And, Bob, you were to my left. I think Nate Nate was was to my right. right. Yeah. And we had actually, all the dogs were in front of us, but we had actually walked past this rooster. And maybe you, you were, like, right in line with it. But I had walked a little bit up past it. Heard the flaps. Looked mm-hmm. back. It was flying straight at me in between us. And you right at crouched. me. <laughs> I I ducked a little bit. I didn't know if somebody was gonna shoot. Needed to shoot. Waited till it was in front of me in a way before I was ready to take the shot. And I shot. I think Nate shot right after me. But we 
Well, I you hit because I I, I, I saw you you took the first shot after yeah it cleared the line yes and after you you know got your p- body position yeah when I was fully uh, ready it, safety off that yeah, time yeah and you dropped it um it was a little ways out when it, it was. fell yeah but, uh, but yeah your shot knocked him down yeah so we recovered that bird and that was my first Iowa bird of the season this year. And uh, wasn't Timber's bird, but that's okay. She still got to sit with me, and she got to smell it and see it. So that was really cool. I apologize. I think Gitchy stole that away from Timber before. Oh, did she? Oh, I don't remember that. (laughs) I think Gitchy retrieved that one. Yeah, no, that was was really awesome. Um, That started the high for the day, and I was fine. I didn't need to kill any more birds. I don't think I got a shot off the rest of the day after that. And that that was awesome, especially seeing the beak of the the pheasant right in your face first and then it banks (laughs) and flies away from you and getting a shot was that was awesome yeah we were all so excited that you were the one who shot that bird (laughs) just knowing how many miles you just traveled yeah we're just like oh that that couldn't have worked out any any yeah that felt good first one of the morning and I'm, I'm just glad somebody was able to hit something because I know as we went through that field we had opportunities I had I had one shortly thereafter that I I again whiffed on well i'm not gonna lament on that um <laughs> but you know the group you know went way north and west and eventually like we kind of like buttoned around mm-hmm. and there was we were picking we were, we were kicking up birds like we were seeing birds there wasn't like an overwhelming number but it was it was birdie it was relatively keeping, consistent yeah but like hens like it was it was keeping people energized like people were walking with purpose like nobody right. was asleep at the wheel um and i remember one bird specifically i was in the back, kind of like just giving Baxter some water. I look up and one got up and it got in the middle, in the middle of the line, like right in the middle of the line straight away. And it, it's just like a civil war, like reenactment <laughs> in terms of the sound. Just, <laughs> and it just kept on flying away. And I'm just gobsmacked like, oh no, we are, we got to do something about this yeah, folks. And like right before that, you know, Nate, Nate had a miss as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just like, okay, well, if we've got one so far, should probably have three or four, but that's okay. I mean, that's that's on us, not on the habitat, not on the birds. So, like, we left plenty out there at that point. Um, and then we started swinging around to go back to the cars. And for lack of a better term, there's this tiny little nipple um, <laughs> that that nobody had – that we didn't, like, touch the first time. And, like, Bob basically called it. He's like, there's, there's going to be a bird in – in there like let's let's go do this um and and sure is not sure enough like how far into that little chunk uh, so i was still in the other field when gitchy went into there and was locked up on point and um so she was maybe let's say let's say 20 field out of the 20 feet out of the field edge when she was locked up on point yeah it wasn't far it wasn't far because it was you, me, and Nate again, right? Yeah. Running short hair, team short hair. Yeah, short hair gang. And you got you were on my left, and then Nate was on your left, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm approaching, and Gitchy was pointing back towards me rather than forward right. into the field. And as I'm approaching, I looked down, and I saw a rooster sitting underneath. I mean, it was it was good cover but it, i could see this uh rooster sitting under like at a base of a sunflower stem and i was like oh, 
I hate when this happens because <laughs> whether it's a woodcock in the woods or, you know, you see birds from time to time, but I always have a hard time when I see a bird on the ground being pointed for whatever reason, like I have a hard time with my eyes catching up with that bird as it explodes out of the cover. And you'd think you'd got every you know it's like training wheels you have every advantage but i have a hard time catching up with my eyes and then swinging the gun and making a shot and absolutely whiffed as as i approach rooster gets up right in front of me first shot nothing and then that there were other shots but i still had that second shell (laughs) and i made a a frenetic effort to swing and get on that bird and my second shot dropped it and i was very <laughs> thankful a you know gitchy had a great point b it was right at my you know right on the ground in front of me and i missed and then thankfully you know was able to bring that one to hand so that one was a very memorable one for sure and that was that was what we walked out of the field with. We had, we had two roosters in the bag. Should have been a few more than that. Um, that's how it goes, and that's okay. And you know, anytime people wonder, it's like, man, how are there still birds around in late yeah. seasons? Because well, people like us exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, there was a lot of shooting. Like, you, well, not a lot. There was a moderate amount of shooting. There were a lot of birds, but there weren't a ton of layups. There were no, no, it, yeah, it's there, were, but. We all hunt enough, and we all drop enough birds where it's like there we, was some. we know when it's like yeah, yeah. that that one shot right. should have been in the bag. Um, from so from that IHAP property, we went to a different smaller one, um, and it was a little different because getting back to episode one, it was filled with that same type of like foxtail mm-hmm. cover that again, like I just don't want to key in on for whatever reason, but it's like. No, Will's like, that's early successional habitat. That's right. what pheasants like. Like, don't be difficult. Like, get after it. Uh, and sure enough, we walked in that field, and within you know, 20, 30 yards, two roosters got up and continued to fly away. Yeah. <laughs> and the then a third that. flushed wild a little bit after that. that it's like, well, these guys and gals are not great <laughs> shots, but I'm not going to stick around. <laughs> The, the coast is clear, so it was it was a nice walk. It was a good piece. It was thick. It was mm-hmm. great cover again. Um, and then I, I kind of pulled the, the plug on on mm-hmm. that day because we had a four hour trip ahead of us to get to uh, southern uh, central Nebraska. And it's like, well, you know, we got a, got a few birds that were again. This is a marathon, and uh, we we got to stay healthy and give the dogs a chance to the very end here. Um, so we, we left Iowa with, uh, two birds that day. I think we had like nine the day before and, uh, opening weekend in Iowa is awesome. Yeah. Like it's like, it's a ton of energy. There's just blaze orange everywhere. It's, it's fun to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just love opening days in general just cause like, like it's just intoxicating. Like it's just, it's like you call it Christmas morning, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's so to experience my first opening weekend in Iowa was really cool, especially in different parts of the States and totally different experiences. It's funny how, you know, when I started working at Pheasants Forever in um, 2003, um, you know, at that time I was, ju- I was just coming off like million bird 
year harvest you know it wasn't that far in their history and Iowa's lost a ton of habitat you know where they're you know 200 300,000 bird year harvest but you think about it's just not super far removed from being the number two harvest state in the country you know South Dakota number one there was a long time there when Iowa was number two it's not right now and that's why we exist to create habitat to create public access and you think about all the people that have been out in Iowa this weekend and how much enthusiasm, how much economic impact it has on the small towns, the cafes. Just This is my plea to everybody out there in Iowa to get involved with the local chapter, to get involved in a, a mentored hunt, whether that's women or youth. Um, volunteer, create some habitat, leave a donation, leave some land. Uh, you know, there was... Not a, that distant time ago where Iowa was harvesting a million birds a year. We need habitat back on the ground in the state of Iowa because it's the energy is still there, as you mentioned. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, when Mother Nature cooperates, like you, you need it's, to have. It's uh, at the center of the bullseye yeah. for producing birds. Yep. It can produce birds. There's no doubt about it. Right next door can also produce birds. Nebraska. Um, so as you mentioned, we, we, we moved to Nebraska and we've had rain, we've had sleet, we've had snow, we've had more, so much wind. We have wind now, and we've had cold and it's been cold, but today we had sunshine. (laughs) Yeah. Fast forward to the present moment today, today's hunt, um, which already feels like a lifetime ago, honestly. Yeah. So present morning. Uh, we start in, let's say, south-central Nebraska uh, with a visit with a conservation officer again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even before then, so to pretend we're duck hunters, even though we're not duck hunting, we were up early. Not mm-hmm. as early as the previous two days because I didn't want to get up that early. Um, but so we, we went out to a very large WPA and um, Logan and I were the first ones there. We already saw two trucks kind of convening. We're like, all right, there's there's people around. This is a very large area. We weren't too worried about it, but we did decide just to kind of park at the first available kind of spot where we could and then wait for everyone else to show up. And then we planted you guys there so that as the sun eventually comes up, we could maybe see what the actual habitat looks like elsewhere and decide, okay, we want to stay where we originally put the trucks or do we want to move on to a different spot? Because we're kind of going in cold. Mm-hmm. And when it's dark out, you can't really tell the quality of habitat that you're right. kind of like handcuffing yourself to. Um, unfortunately for us, they were, there was a truck on every single corner. Like it was, it was hopping. It was, it was the place to be. Um, and so by the time we actually made it back to you guys is when, you know, the conservation officer was, was there speaking with you. So I had seen two different vehicles, uh, from the U S fish and wildlife service circling us. (laughs) One was an SUV. And then the second time I saw the pickup, I flagged him down. Um, it was super nice guy. And, uh, he's like, what are you guys up to? (laughs) We're just here pheasant hunting. And, uh, you know, I explained rooster road trip could have been nicer. I'm like, do you want to check our licenses so we can do that before we get into the field? And just like, yeah, that'd be great. I I was going to wait till he actually went into the field, but if you're willing to do it, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's knock that out. And just so you don't have to worry about anything. So we, so we did, we got talking and, 
you know, I think he said there were 74 groups that hunted this WPA each on Saturday of Nebraska opener. And it was something like 68 groups hunted it on the wow. <laughs> That's a lot of groups, right? I mean, that's this absurd. is, a, this is not that's a, absurd. Gi- it's a big WPA, but it's not giant. And he's like, yeah, average about one rooster a person. So there's birds. That's here. a lot of birds though. When there's you a lot of birds there, way. but, but it, that's a lot of pressure. And 74 groups, not people. Yeah. Groups. Groups. Wow. Groups. That's pretty remarkable, right? It, and you think about that, that, so the ro- they're rotating constantly. Somebody leaves, somebody comes in. <laughs> That's a lot of people. That is insane. Um, anyway, so couldn't have been nicer, but you roll back and you're like, there's a there's a truck on every corner, and we didn't pick real wise in the darkness. This doesn't look great. And one, uh, you know, I'll give you a kudos once again because I uh, mentioned this in you know the Minnesota episode. Like you you didn't you, you stuck to a plan. You know, you trusted your here, you pulled the pin and you went completely different direction. So talk us through uh, your conversation. Well, it, it's it, it's tough because, you know, on one level, it's like, well, a bird in hand. Mm-hmm. Like there is there is a spot here we that, have that, a that, spot. that you yep. can hunt. But when you're, you've been hunting long enough and following bird dogs long enough, you just kind of know what looks birdie. And when you have a group this size and we only have so much time, mm-hmm. do I want to inevitably waste at least two hours walking marginal habitat? And guess what? Marginal habitat equals marginal results. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. You might get lucky here and there and score a rooster. And if you're by yourself, that's great. That's fantastic. That's all you need. But when you're rolling around with a group of like 10 people, that one bird doesn't go super long, mm-hmm. super far. Um, so it's just kind of like, what do we even do after we walk that? Like, are we just going to like drive around and, and like look for another, then where do we go? Cause all those other hunters are also then going to be dispersing into the general area. Um, so it's like this, I know it's going to feel weird to be leaving a place, basically at opening light, like when we should be hunting, let's go somewhere else. Like let's, let's figure it out. Um, and sometimes you just have to make, decisions that you really hope work out and if they don't then oh well at least you didn't waste your your energy and your dog's energy and something you knew was probably going to be uh pretty lackluster and you had the wild card in your pocket of we were joined by john locks the uh pheasants forever and quail forever permanent habitat protection programs manager john that's a very big mouthful of a title but john joined us this morning um he lives in the general area and super helpful um to have some local intel i i felt a little validated and i I felt like i wasn't just like alone in this and making that decision um and i've been lucky enough to hunt with john previously on other projects and it's he, he knows his stuff mm-hmm. um and he acknowledges like where we were is like yeah you guys this is a good spot for you guys to pick um i can see why you might want to go though um so he and i came up with the game plan of well let's work our you know caravan of, of gypsies and bird dogs this general <laughs> direction <laughs> and, and we're just basically going to speed scout things along the way mm-hmm. and like we kind of decided we're going to be a little picky like we're already committing to like Change. wasting some time mm-hmm. so like when we do it let's let's do it right 
Um, so we were probably, I don't know, we probably ended up 30, 40 minutes away from where we were, which wasn't terribly far, but you know, he was, he was leading the way and we had an end WPA in mind in terms of this is like our end goal, but along the way, we're going to check all these other spots. And so like we, we'd, we'd hit, you know, a different open field to water property or something. And then he would go on one side, we'd go on the other and like basically circle it with our trucks. See if like, what do you see? What do you see? And it was just like very quick, like, nope, mm-hmm. nope. And just keep going, keep going. Um, and it, as it turned out the the second WPA, the, that of that day, the one where it was like, well, this is going to be our next destination. Perhaps there was no one there. It was far enough away. Like it was, there was no one it's there. A, it is remarkable. And, it was and, and the grass was, miles. was was beautiful. And we mm-hmm. know everybody knows WPAs can be kind of hit or miss when it comes to the quality of habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked really birdie. So when Ben is a biologist, you drive up. And had you ever seen this WPA before? Yeah, I know I've hunted. I've hunted that one before. The it, one you guys started out at, I hadn't. Okay, familiar so, with both. So when you roll up to the second one, what? And you see the habitat. What? What? What are you thinking? Well, to back up a little bit, I think, I think place is important, and I think the spirit of place is important. So I just want to throw out there to the audience that the place that we started at today that we started hunting the second WPA much to the chagrin of people from Minnesota was within 80 miles of the world's largest ball of twine. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. In Cocker <laughs> city, Kansas Fighting. made by what? By twine. No, no. But like, what's the caveat? Cause Minnesota has the largest ball of, of twine. I'll let you, I'll let made, you look made, it made by one person perhaps, or is like, what's the asterisk that's like, I can't believe there? this is second time this has come up it's with a, you on a podcast. It's the largest ball of twine in, in Cocker city, Kansas. Uh, and we are also, we were also within a hundred miles of the world's largest travel plate. So a decorative commemorative travel plate in Lucas, Kansas. The world's largest check egg was within 120 miles in Wilson, Kansas. The world's largest, the world's largest covered porch swing in Hebron, Nebraska, less than 90 miles away. And right outside of Omaha in Boys Town, Nebraska, the world's largest ball of stamps. Two hundred so miles I don't away. want. I don't want anybody at home right now getting in a huff about like us potentially hot spotting places. Because if you can figure out all that and like 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 <laughs> navigate to like where we were, good for you. You deserve to go hunt that spot. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking with with Lexi putting 800 miles on her vehicle. If 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 the hunting would just would have burnt out, you could check a lot of boxes of really renowned places. <laughs> I would have seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hunting tourism. Yeah. Hunting economics. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we rolled up to the... When, when, oh, now you're going to answer when, the original question. When, go, yeah, go for it. When we rolled your up podcast, ben. To, the, to the second place, um, it looked good. It, so, so waterfowl production areas are, are, are just that. They, they are designed and they're managed for waterfowl production. And um, in Nebraska, we sit right where we were at there is sitting right at the waistband of the central flyway. So those are managed for spring migration. Um, when we were walking through it, you probably saw some areas where they, uh, some kind of pumping stations where they will fill those things up with water hmm. and in the spring and it'll attract thousands and thousands and thousands of, of waterfowl to those areas that support their spring migration going north. 
one of the things they really struggle with in in some of those wet areas where there's a lot of moisture is incoming invasive species, um, invasive herbaceous species. So a lot of invasive grasses, things that just choke things out. Hmm. And so um, part of their management for those is to dry them out from time to time and do a lot of really intensive things. So a lot of intensive grazing. Uh, sometimes they'll disc them up. They, they'll use a lot of herbicide just to set things back um, to make that productive for migrating waterfowl. Some of the, sometimes those management actions then that they're doing purposefully for waterfowl end up not being great for someone who's walking through at the end of October for a pheasant. And so, like you were saying, uh, Andrew, once in a while, it's kind of hit or miss with a WPA. Um, and in this one as well, there are areas where as, as we walk through, you just think, huh, I, that doesn't look so great. That looks, that looks pretty grazed down, but there were still other areas that, that could still keep you busy and, and keep a dog busy. And it was a long walk. We, we walked quite a, quite a ways on that property. We recovered five miles in that yeah, property alone. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Was it was a, a it was a, it was a good, it was a good hike and a, and a productive hike, mm-hmm. but there were certainly areas of it where, um, you could spend a lot of time walking and, and not come across a bird. So it was, it was pretty deliberate deliberate hiking there and just keeping an eye on where where the more productive area is going to be here Mm -hmm. i like the idea of calling it hiking because then even if you don't get anything it's just like think of how many people just go on a hike (laughs) that that is it's like we we went on a five mile hike but you weren't on a hike because right out of the gates your uh your shooting streak started in a positive direction well i don't know if one's a street but we'll, we'll go with <laughs> it. we're gonna go with it um but yeah it was another quick flush in terms of like how soon or how close to the trucks we were but it couldn't have been more than 10 minutes into the field i, I knocked down a, a rooster just happened to, to get up in front of me um so that monkey was off my back for a little while there um <clears throat> and like i i'm not gonna do the the, the bird by bird of you know, a five mile walk, but I'll spoiler alert by the end of that, when we walked out of that field, uh, we had seven in the bag, mm-hmm. and, but it wasn't just like one or two epic flushes where we, like we, we just knocked a bunch down. It's like, we kind of just kept chipping away at them, yeah. um, which was, which was really fun. Um, but I, I will say like my favorite moment within that field. And if, if you guys want to throw in yours in terms of kind of summarizing, like how that WPA played out, um, John's, a setter Lucy mm-hmm. is gorgeous mm-hmm. and it's so fun to have a setter arrive on the trip because I mean, I, I love looking at your GSPs. They're, they're cute. I mean, gentleman Baxter's, I mean, let's be honest. He's the best looking bird dog that, that exists <laughs> and the labs are tried and true, but watching the setter show up and mm-hmm. do her thing is so much fun. And so there was a moment where just ding and anybody out there who knows setters knows what that ding represents. And that's that tail just ding. Yeah, straight it was up, cracking, it, cracking, cracking, sh- and then boom. Yep. Um, and so John was, was right there and and walked up on it and up got a rooster and he knocked that bird down. And um, did did Gitchy make the retrieve on that one or you were right there next? Yes, to him. Um, Gitchy retrieved <laughs> so, uh, that. Yep. Bird so Gitchy well. got some feathers in, in her yeah. mouth. So like we're everyone's super happy and I'm not really paying attention to my my own surroundings at that point. So I'm like, okay, we can take a little break. You know, I call over Baxter. I'm giving him some water. And like, I, I heard a buzz and I thought it came from behind me, but the more I think about it, it's just Baxter being next to me set off. Like he's on point, you know, that, that little mm-hmm. buzz on my Garmin. 
Um, but I, I quickly like looked behind me, like what was like, is there like a dog behind me? But there was a dog behind me. Do you know this story, Lexi? Vaguely. <laughs> so like probably, I don't know, five-ish yards behind me, there's little timber. Solid as a rock. Just like <laughs> doing her thing, minding her own business. Just like, hey, hey guys. Hey, this, this, this right here, right here. So I'm like, okay. And so I, 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 I flip my gun back on. And I, it's like, you almost don't believe it. It's like, I'm, right. I'm just standing here, like messing right. around with Baxter, talking to, oh, you're, you're, you're a good boy. Yard, you're a good boy. 30 yards away from. <laughs> A bird just got shot, retrieved, we're taking, doing video yep. interviews. You're just resting, watching. Yep. And, and then there's this dog, and she's been on point for who knows how long at this point. <laughs> just like steady, very steady. Like, <laughs> we'll give her that. And so it's like, okay, I guess I'll go see if this is for real. This can't, this can't be for real. <laughs> and sure sure enough, like, bird gets up and whiff, whiff one, whiff two. And I'm just like why <laughs> but the beautiful thing was this bird much it's it's too bad it it hooked a hard right and made the line like it just went down the line of everybody else and you guys were all probably like 50 yards away from me like i was with bob and john kind of mm. off in our own little pod yeah. you guys were all lined up waiting watching and i see it go and i hear this Doo! and it's still flying and like oh, yeah. my, my feeling is getting worse and worse and it's like oh my god i just biffed timber's perfect point <laughs> and all of a sudden like it got towards the end where i think like nate and ben were and like one of just poof, and you see it like drop and i'm like at this point it's so far away from me like i'm just like yes it happened i didn't mess this up too bad we got it so who was it you ben or was it nate i shot that bird yeah you did yeah yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good Yeah, but it was a it was a brave bird. You almost felt bad. You almost <laughs> felt bad shooting with all the courage it had. I mean, it was just like running. It reminded me of like dances with wolves where like he's just like going on his horse right across <laughs> the line and, and just daring everybody to take a shot and he did and uh it, it and it and it almost worked. It almost worked. He almost made it. But Ben Wheeler was waiting. Yeah, uh, st- yeah, he had he had to get past this one and um <laughs> the the odds were not in his favor. Uh, he went past he went past a few people. He really did. Yeah. But Timber is very appreciative. Yeah. 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 I wish I could have seen it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, she did everything right. Good. Yeah, she was hanging out with everyone but me. <laughs> that that was a spectacular sequence. <clears throat> it was really that, – that's what I will remember in that field. You guys were both on the complete other line, end of the line yeah. for that entire five-mile <laughs> hike slash hunt. Um, anything, Lexi, anything stick out to you on that? I I was right in the middle. I got to see both sides. I saw Ben with the bird that flushed from you, and then I saw John and you and Lucy and Timber somewhere over there with Baxter doing their thing. Mm. And I got two perspectives, and I was like, which side do I want to go see? Do Mm. I want to go see Ben's, or do I want to go see John and Lucy? I didn't know which way I wanted to go. But, yeah, that was was awesome. And that was the same – well, this morning was, like, probably the morning that started clicking for Timber, too. Cause she she works the field really good. She's good at what f- hunting in general. But she, I hadn't really seen her like actually find her own birds and point them. She would bust a couple hens here and there, just doing her thing. But this morning was really when I th- think she started 
things were starting to click for her too. So awesome. that's fun for me to see. Ben, anything stick out to you on the morning walk? Yeah, it w- just just how long it was. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was long for Annie too. That and that's that's the that's where I'm coming at with it. So so my dog Annie's 11 years old. She's she's not a she's not a young pup anymore. Um, at least in her legs, she is at heart. She loves getting out there. She loves getting after it. I feel like, um, like many many bird dogs, they can almost read your mind. You mm-hmm. know, um, when you when you think about, hey, I'm gonna go hunting before you even grab a gun or before you grab a vest. It's almost like they know. They start wiggling, and they they somehow know you're thinking about hunting before you even stood up off the couch. Um, and so, yeah, her, her spirit is, is just there and she doesn't have any injuries, but at 11 years old for a dog, it's five miles is a, it's a long, it's mm-hmm. a long hunt. And that's five miles that we walked, mm-hmm. not to mention the back and forth that the, that the dogs do. And so I was really grateful to see how well she hung in there for those five miles. Um, how well she did. She was, she was out there. We got back to the vehicles and she was ready for a break. Um, I helped her into the vehicle, but um, just seeing how how intact mm-hmm. she was at the end of that hike was was good, and she was able to get some feathers in her mouth. She uh, we got a we got a couple of birds in the bag um, there, and yeah, just just seeing her even at that age still doing still doing her thing, and it's tough. I mean, uh, people mm-hmm. people go through that when when they get a older dog and then and you try and figure out man how so how what's the right way what's the right way to honor your dog when it's aging in a hunting scenario when you know they can't go a whole day or go on those really really hard hunts that you remember them doing four or five years ago so what's how do you how do you adjust appropriately and still still keep their spirit fed Mm -hmm. um in in a meaningful way um and so seeing her out there was really was really really fulfilling to me for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i've had the good fortune of hunting with you over the years come up to our grouse camp and Mm -hmm. annie's been just spectacular your entire time you've had her and it is it is hard watching them get older um makes you appreciate to you know as we talked about with Lexi and mm-hmm. her dad you know these moments um are special for us in all sorts of different ways so yeah. it was really cool yeah you say spectacular the whole time I mean you've seen her at her best she ate a whole jar of Crisco one time <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that's, uh, that's spectacular yeah. in, a in a way well, yeah. in a way what, but what was the next day like awful yeah it was, i mean yeah. that night was just yeah it's, uh, i think she was just fortunate she had so much that her body just rejected it and so the ill of like any kind of chronic ill effects didn't didn't <laughs> happen because she just rejected it almost almost mm. right away but yeah that was um miserable mm. yeah <laughs> yep I'm right. I'm never gonna look at that dog the same way, and like I mean that in like a positive way. I'm like Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> Do you keep track of uh, birds over a dog um, species? Anything that you mark Annie's life with? You know, I not yeah. 
I do not in a formal way though. So I don't have a hunting journal and I wish I did. I wish I had that to look back over, but, um, you know, in my mind, I can remember those really cool points. Um, um, certainly specific moments come up, um, in, in her life that, um, that I can remember. We've gone a lot of places, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've hunted a lot of things in a lot of really cool, cool areas. Um, a lot of different species, um, all over the country. Um, some of the most memorable ones are just at home. You know, mm-hmm. um, we had a couple, a couple of years ago where we got into some quail. It was a hard day and, um, she got onto a point at the end of the, at the end of the hike and, and locked up and, um, a group of quail blew up right there. Just, just exploded. Just the cubby just came up and I swung on them and took a shot and the bag limit in Nebraska is six quail. And we got six in one shot. Come on. One shot. And, you know, not by any, I mean, I wasn't trying. trying. Yeah. You, you just, you know, pull up and you put the bead on one. And it just so happened that they all were like in single file <laughs> at that moment. And, but you remember those, mm-hmm. like those really cool, those really cool um, uh, moments. Even though you're not journaling, there's just some highlights. And I think, I hope everybody has that with their dog, just these highlight moments that, that you'll never forget mm-hmm. and you can treasure, you can treasure forever. Um, but you know, even at her age, uh, even at a younger age for a dog, it's, it's always impressive to me to watch a dog, how they are always on, you know, just always on. I think about walking through a field and we I think everybody's had this where they're walking through a field and you're just not getting anything. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the field, you as a human being are no longer alert. You know, you're just kind of barely making it. Your, your, your mind and your enthusiasm is kind of drained. You're kind of holding your gun at your side and you're just slogging along. It's a hard field. You're disappointed. But you watch a dog, uh, a good bird dog, and no matter where they're at, once they catch that scent, it is they're ready. They're just alertness is always accessible hmm. in a way that we don't have, hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, we, we're, we're often not ready. <laughs> I feel like I find myself often not ready and end up missing, uh, missing a shot or it, sometimes not even getting a shot off, but it's always impressive to me, these dogs that, uh, that they're always in that, in that space where, they're they're ready to go work at a go to work at a moment's notice mm-hmm. um i remember with annie we had a we were hunting one time when it was like minus 20 and she's shivering she's a short hair of a short hair and mm. she's just shivering shivering and we're walking through and we're heading back to the truck because it's just too cold and she caught the she caught the scent trail of a covey of quail and she just locked up right away it went from shiver to stone cold locked up immediately and mm. i think there's a life lesson there for for us if we allow it if we let it just to um uh, stay working stay stay alert stay ready stay accessible and allow 
really cool magical things to happen. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, cool magical things did happen after that today. Picked another field. Open Fields and Waters was on the docket after that WPA. How do you come up with that sec that second field, Andrew? Basically, John said, stop trying to make decisions. This is what you should go do. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it wasn't quite like that. But I, like everyone else, I'm just trying to find another spot that's within a reasonable distance just to go put eyes on. Um, and I wanted to go east. And John was like, yeah, maybe if you want a chicken. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but with this group, if you're looking for, you know, pheasants, I'd, I would suggest going the exact opposite direction. So I'm glad that John was there um, because our, our second half of the day could have been a little bit of a, a walkabout. Um, not that you don't like those. Um, <laughs> but so we, I've been behaving myself for the most part. <laughs> you stretched us out a little bit today, but no, it's fine. I did. Um, so it's, we did end up at Open Fields and Waters uh, property, and, you know, you you talked about that earlier and so 97 percent of nebraska is private 97 percent this program alone accounts for over 380,000 acres Hmm. of accessible land um that's huge um both in terms of like the ability and huge in terms of like the actual acreage especially when you think of like iowa iowa's got 32,000. Um, so that just helps you put in perspective, like how robust, important, and phenomenal the Open Fields and Waters program is in Nebraska. Um, so we keyed in on one of those spots, and what I liked most about it was you had to walk across a bunch of cut corn to actually get to the grass, which was also in the program. It, yep. So it was all right. enrolled in the program. The corn was enrolled in the program, but it's just that. that but you had to get it's through that extra it. layer of effort that's required that. Um, some people just aren't, don't have the GER and it's just like, they'll just, uh, let's, let's keep on going. I can't see it from the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where John came through for us. He, it's, he knew it was grass on the other end of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to kind of leave the other folks behind and, and access this, this property, uh, was very advantageous to us. Again, we, we didn't see another person for the rest of the day. So we, we, we walked through the cornfield and I'm going to hand the microphone back to you, Ben, because you took this opportunity after a five-mile hike in, with Annie. You got Annie back out of the truck because we had a pretty good break. Um, talk, talk us through um, putting Annie back into the field. We arrived at this place. We were there. We had... It was a 30-minute drive, and we had a little bit of a break before the drive where people were just kind of grabbing some snacks and and things. And so we had over an hour, I would say, of break, rest time, Mm -hmm. um, which was important to me for um, having an 11-year-old dog that just just did five miles of of hunting. Um, And so she got back out, and she was was ready to go again. She was... um, you could tell she's tired. She's slow, but she's not limping. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not injured. And so I'm treating this field as kind of a monitoring her actively. And, you know, if something happens, if she just really start, if, if I'm starting to walk and she's behind me, mm-hmm. we can we can fall away and let the group continue and we can, we <laughs> which, can go back to the Which group. didn't happen at it, all. <laughs> it, it didn't, but we had that option yeah. of, of being able to do so. 
Um, and so we enter this field. We, um, like you guys mentioned, we had to walk through some walk through some harvested corn to get to um, to get to the really productive stuff, the good grass. And I think you guys also mentioned you couldn't see that from from the road. You know, it looked mm-hmm. like a field that just kind of, it almost looked like an infinity pool where mm-hmm. it just kind of fell off. And you don't know because um, that grass fell into a draw, the really good grass, and it was a, it was a little bit hidden, but it ended up being really so, phenomenal habitat. And as we're approaching that, yes. like we're wa- you and I are walking next to each other through the picked cornfield. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you told me? Yeah, we're having a conversation, um, and you, we, we are talking about what's what's this look like? What can kind of what are our expectations mm-hmm. on this place? And um, I remember thinking right away, even though by how the crow flies, we weren't really that far from where we hunted first. Straight line distance, maybe thirty thirty five miles. And immediately, though, it felt like a much different place. It felt much drier, mm-hmm. much drier. This wasn't a, uh, this didn't really have the potential to be a ponded wetland. This was dry upland, and uh, even the vegetation just seemed seemed pretty dry, mm-hmm. um, more scratchy. And so we get in there, and we're standing up kind of on the ridge at the edge of the corn looking at it, talking about expectations. And I remember saying, I think this will be, this will be good. There's good, there's good grass in here. It's bunchy. It's not like straight solid grass. It's, it's got these little patchworks. We had a nice draw of sunflowers going through the middle. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking this will be, there could be good pheasants in here. We should be able to bump into quail. This yeah. looks really quaily. And that's what you told me. Like, this looks quaily, even without woody cover. Even without woody. It looked like it had the pieces. It looked like it had, um, without sounding too abstract, it looked like it had woody structure and architecture without having the woody pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's still that part of the equation was still being filled without trees and without brush. I think there was enough hard, rigid sunflowers in there to kind of step in and substitute for that. Uh, But it looked really, it looked really, really quaily. I also remember saying it wouldn't be impossible for us to get a, to get into some prairie chickens here. Once we entered the grass um, right away, I backed off that. I walked back. It was too tall. It was too tall. Um, uh, prairie chickens just really don't like really tall grass. And so, um, yeah. And which we never did see a prairie chicken in there. No, we didn't see prairie chickens, but how long did it take for the covey of quail to explode? Not long, <laughs> uh, within five minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but you know, we quail are renowned for loving open ground. Mm. And that's one thing that we, I think a lot of times in conservation, we forget about, we just think, give us thick, thick grass, kind of that traditional, what we think of as conservation reserve program, thick lawn, tall grass. And what quail really need, among other things, is open runways. Mm. And so when we had that bunchy grass, those patchy grasses, um, there is all kind of runways in there. So within five minutes of walking through there, we got up a we got up a group of quail that got up very strangely. It um, instead of having one burst of a covey flush, it, they they kind of 
there was kind of an initial flush, and then uh, then they separated and and kind of went all over the place. Um, and we ended up getting one. One flew a ways. It was Me, a, you did. I got one. Yeah, we, we as a group. Yeah, got one. Um, and then um, we kept going. Uh, when I when I hit that one, I knew I didn't hit it hard. Like it, it, it seemed like it came down soft, and and sure enough, when we picked it up, it was still it was it was still alive. Um, and it was a small bird. Mm-hmm. It was a really really small bird. Um, and we kept picking off or at least flushing individuals after that. Yeah. I don't think after that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we, I think we were still pushing up remnants of that initial flush, but I don't know that we ever had where two got up at one time. It was almost all singles. Yeah. So they weren't, they weren't landing together. They weren't, uh, they're coving back up. Just wasn't really happening, at least in the time that we were there. And mm-hmm. we spent, over an hour at that property. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was surprising to me that, that they were so scattered after that, after that initial flush. And we ended up getting another, another bird out of that cubby too. Nate's, uh, mm-hmm. first quail ever, yeah. his very first Bob white. So that's a, it's a special day for him. It's a special, uh, special property for him. He'll never forget that. But his bird was also very small. Yeah. So it's, it, it just, uh, it's it's just a really late hatch. So that to me seemed like it was a very big covey of birds, I, but I was on the far outside. Were were you in? Where, I, where were I was you? in the middle. I the first one that flew by, they were like quail, but it didn't look like a quail, and I was like, really? And so I didn't shoot. And then I saw about six more buzz in front of me, and I was yeah, I was smack in the middle of them. It was really cool. Any anybody get a count on rough number of how many birds there were in that? No, I was too busy ducking. Cause I had two that were just <laughs> hell bent on like hitting me right in the forehead. Mm. Like it was it was pretty cool. Like from like my northern perspective, I haven't seen a quail in years, honestly. Um, so to, like see the the, the initial it's, one go by, I was yeah. with her. I was like, was that a Metal that was door. a that was a quail? <laughs> and then the rest all explode. And then two of them came basically mm. straight at at my face because I was further up on the hill. Um, Probably could have got them with a butterfly net, but with my four shot, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> they and most of them, most of that group went behind us. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, a couple went ahead of us, like five. Um, some of them we visited again on another on a subsequent flush. Some of them we never saw again. Um, I do think the one that Nate shot. I was talking with a couple other people. I think the one Nate shot was from that group. But as small as it was, I'm really surprised how far away that was. Hmm. I mean, quail aren't known to fly very far. They're the they're the sprinters of the of the bird world. They they fly 150 yards is a long is a long flush for a quail, and that was every bit of 150 hmm. yards from where we started at. Um, but yeah, it was just a that that quail encounter was 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 a little bit was a little bit strange, hmm. but. Uh, but then on that field, we still we got into some uh, we got into some pheasants too. Mm-hmm. We got into some roosters, got into uh, a few hens. Um, it was just overall a really a really productive uh, productive field. Yeah, it, I loved seeing. You know, you come to Nebraska and you're hoping to see some quail mixed in, and that uh, that definitely fulfilled. Hopefully, that's foreshadowing tomorrow. 
we don't know because <laughs> we're recording uh, the eve of when episode four will happen. But uh, hopefully it'll be a quail. Um, we'll get a little quail flavor in the episode tomorrow. It's our third species of the road trip for you folks taking uh, notes at home. We had the, the woodcock in Minnesota, so pheasant, woodcock, and now quail. And Bob White's. You know, so we scratched out two quail and two pheasant out of that walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those pheasant encounters triggered a question within me. I want to get your guys' take on this. Hmm. So I was further up the hill closest to Logan, and Logan's young dog, Trek, put up a, a rooster beautifully, like right off his nose. He dropped it. But I, th- I think then he cracked his gun, like to like replace a shell. Mm-hmm. And as he was doing that, a second rooster got up, mm-hmm. and you could see he had this moment of, do I crack and shoot? But like he immediately was just like, no, I'm gonna focus on the bird that went down, mm. which is the correct thing to do. Like get the one you got so you don't like end up losing two, right? Um, what do you do? Like now I'm trying to think. I think I immediately reload every single time. But do you hunt sharpies enough to where you're like, you know better? Where it's like, no, if I only spent one shell and I'm shooting like an over under or side mm-hmm. by side, I'm going to keep it locked mm-hmm. in case another one does happen to get up soon. Or do you immediately, I need my two shots again really, really quick. And do you immediately crack it open or replace? Wow. Um, I don't think about it very much. And a lot of times I end I up, bet it's muscle memory, though. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I. I so sharp tails. Um, because they they generally get up, there'll be one, and then the group, and then a sleeper bird. Right? A lot of times, it's not, you know, that's not the only way that happens, but a lot of times. So, I deliberately go into a sharp tail hunt knowing I'm not cracking my gun open after the first shot. Um, I've, I've learned my lesson with sleeper birds too often. Uh, grouse, woodcock... Um, I'm general. I'm generally shooting a second time at both of those birds, right? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that's a good point. So, roosters, though, um, yeah, it, it, you know. So on, I, a lot of times I do crack my gun open like after the first shot and start to replace if there's just that moment of window. I don't know what you guys feel. Well, Ben's gonna say, "Well, that's why you shoot a semi-auto." Yeah. <laughs> yeah well that, that's part of it i mean sometimes i need that third shot <laughs> mm. so it's kind of nice having in there i also like having a semi one of the reasons i like it is just the reduced weight from not having a second barrel out there it's a little bit lighter and mm. so for long walks it's it's kind of nice but um mm. i've not i've not hiked for birds with a two barrel system i never have mm. um so I, I never have either till this week. The, you, this is your first experience with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't crack it open either. I'm ready for. <laughs> I, I would say that that's probably so. the majority of people. Yeah. yeah. And I never hunt without an over under for anything anymore. I just. I think that's the name of the game for me now too. <laughs> I just fun. I like the. I I feel like I'm a better shot on the second shot. And I also like the comfort of cracking the barrel open. And having it completely disarmed and can water the dog mm-hmm. or just rest or something. But, I, yeah, I don't well, – every pay pay attention tomorrow. Let's, let's, see, let's see what you do see. after you take your first shot. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So as we get ready to close, I want you each to think about highlight of the last two days in your own mind. Um, before we go there, we'll, we'll, I want to thank all Rooster Road Trip sponsors um, generating the dollars that help fuel our habitat mission and help us create more public lands and improve public lands that are out there on the landscape. Rooster Road Trip sponsors include Browning. They're supplying the shotguns and the apparel for this Rooster Road Trip. Federal Ammunition providing the Prairie Storm. Um, and I think we're pretty much using Prairie Storm steel exclusively. I've got some uh, m- the Meat Eater Bismuth in my truck, too, that I've used a little we, we've, bit. We've got lead for Nebraska, too. Oh, we do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Rufflin' Kennels, keeping our pups safe and in, in warm on this trip. Um, Apple Autos, the pickup truck that uh, Andrew's, Andrew and Logan are driving throughout all of uh, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Sound Gear, hearing protection. Garmin, electronic uh, training collars and smartwatches. Yeti Coolers, where birds are iced down today. Irish Setter Boots and Leupold Optics. So thank you very much to all nine of our sponsors. Uh, Rooster Road Trip. Also want to thank Onyx uh, for sponsoring On the Wing podcast all year long. If you are not yet a member um, or don't have Onyx app, the Onyx Hunt app on your phone, please do yourself a favor and get Onyx. Uh, Right now, if you use the code PF. QF, you can get 20% off your Onyx membership and a portion of your purchase will go back to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Habitat Mission. Um, Andrew, tell us about the Rooster Road Trip membership offer. Yeah, go to roosterroadtrip.org. Check out the the video associated with this podcast uh, because if you're listening to this, that does exist right now at roosterroadtrip.org. And while you're there, um, have some fun, uh, take part in some of our contests to win some of our sponsored gear and also join, renew or extend your membership and uh, you'll get a Browning blackout knife and you'll automatically be entered to win the Browning Satori 725 feather that I've been carrying around and shooting all week. Um, but that's not all. If you want to uh, do even more for habitat and our mission of upland conservation, feel, uh, you're feeling good go ahead and upgrade that membership become a life member uh and we'll send you a yeti loadout go box 30 and you'll also be entered to win uh, what is right now my shotgun but it could be your shotgun <laughs> so go to roosterroadtrip.org check out the photo galleries check out the videos the other uh, there's some other content there as well it's all really good stuff uh, it's certainly more entertaining than listening to me try to remember what happened two days ago when everything's <laughs> mushing together. I, uh, prom- I, I promise you. Well, that. you haven't eaten in like 14 hours. Well, I mean, Ben made the comment about, you no, know, we had a light snack. And I was like, yeah, it's because the quartermaster failed here today. And <laughs> I am the quartermaster as well. Um, so generally we have a nice little tailgate lunch, but we haven't hit a, yeah, I haven't hit a grocery store in a little too long. So that's, that's on the docket for tomorrow too. Well, dinner is waiting. But before we get to dinner, let's go around the horn. Ben, what was your highlight of episode three, Rooster Road Trip, um, Iowa slash Nebraska crossover edition? You know, so our our Nebraska, so I wasn't, I didn't join you in, in 
Iowa. Iowa. Correct. You, you picked up picked me up as a hitchhiker today. <laughs> um, and so just for Nebraska, and I'm just really this past weekend. This is right now is Monday. This past weekend was our opener, and I did not get out on on our opening weekend. Um, and so it was so great to get out um, in the field chasing pheasants, chasing quail. Um, I've gotten out a few times for grouse already, but um, pheasants and quail, it's, it's its just nice to be doing that again. And we had the weather for it. It mm-hmm. felt like pheasant and quail season. So I really appreciate that. This is my first time I've ever joined you guys for, for Rooster Road Trip. So that was wonderful, and it was just kind of enjoyable. You guys have been doing this, you said, for 14, 14 years. years. <laughs> well, I haven't been on f- all 14 of them, but Andrew has. But 14 years of this, and so um, just as a, I've been with PF for 15, and so mm. I've kind of caught it from the from periphery. Yeah, and so it was it was just really cool and enjoyable to um, to join you guys for today. I'm so grateful that you that you guys even asked me. I'm I'm humbled. It, but just watching how how it's made, watching how you guys adjust. Um, I remember having a kind of a planning call for this, and you guys are taking notes and. You're coming up with a loose agenda of all right. We'll we'll kind of plan for this and plan for this and plan for this and and it reminded me of um, of um, John Steinbeck. So he wrote in in Cannery Row and Travels with Charlie. He, mm-hmm. he doubled down. He said he said it doesn't matter how much planning, how much agenda, um, what how you think your trip is going to go. He said people don't take trips trips take people and it just kind of reminded me of today where you know just this journey and the different kind of ways you have to move through this and adjust really makes it the trip Mm. you know and it and it really sinks in with us with us well and makes it probably way more enjoyable than if we followed the script like it was like it was written out um and there's some places some really cool places that we wouldn't have hit Mm -hmm. and potentially uh, for Nate's sake, he may not have gotten his first quail today mm-hmm. if we wouldn't have had to adjust. Um, and so just this whole experience being with you guys um, and enjoying this. We've hunted together before. Um, I've always gone to you. Um, I've never hunted with you in my home state, so that was that was super enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel this. I'm thrilled to, to see Annie. Yeah. Running hard. Yep. Being happy. Yeah. Uh, Lexi. What was your highlight? Out of shooting a bird, obviously that's a big highlight, but um, I've talked about timber a lot, and I don't know if that's ever going to end. But uh, just being a very novice dog handler and very new bird dog owner, it's really exciting for me just to see her picking up new things every single day. Her first time on Wild Birds was in South Dakota the beginning of October before this trip, and I was just testing the water, see how she did, and um, she has just... made me super excited for our future together and Mm. just seeing her I one of the specific highlights that I want to um, bring up is seeing her back Lucy that was really cool Mm. and I think either your dogs or Nate's dogs I can't remember which but um, I've never seen her do that before and that was really exciting for me even though she didn't really want to hang out with me the whole (laughs) trip (laughs) I'm just I'm just happy to let her hunt so um, yeah there's there's a lot of training knowledge out there of bird dogs and handling and what you should and shouldn't do but i'm i'm really happy with, yeah, she's with doing what great. she's doing yeah that's yeah. that's my highlight for sure just for the whole trip in general so 
Right on. Andrew, put a bow on this for us. Um, the wiggly little Muppet had, had some good moments. <laughs> um, he had some solid points, mainly hands, but still it's so much fun. Um, so, but that's, that's not the highlight of the, the past two days. Um, you know, Lexi keys in on, on the present and, and watching, you know, a young dog, dog uh, develop. Um, but Ben is thinking about how do you honor the, the dog that's even still with you? Um, how do you uh, enjoy the memories as they're being made, <clears throat> knowing that in the future you're going to look back on them, and that's what's going to continue to fill your cup, even though that, that moment has passed. Um, so at the end of today, seeing Annie walk around with the quail yes. in her mouth. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. That, that resonated with me. Because it's like you're seeing the, the oldest gal of the bunch, like the, se- like the seasoned vet, and nobody and no no thing is on this planet forever like you just have to acknowledge mm-hmm. that and so to see that dog proudly yet humbly mm-hmm. just holding that quail like at the end of the hunt for a long time as we're all just gathered it's even in the photo we gathered for a group photo <laughs> she did not put that bird down once it was it was her quail and it wasn't like a possessive thing it was like it's almost like her honoring the bird like, so there, it was like, there were layers to it. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm just like getting in my head here, but like just from afar, I didn't acknowledge any of that like there, but it's like, that's, it was really kind of cool just to see that and let it be. Um, that, that's probably going to be one of the, the better memories of, of the road trip if I had to bet. Yeah. Folks get out there. Go chase your bird dog around. Make your own rooster road trip. That is the point. These public lands are yours. They're all of ours. And we only have so much time. Go out there and experience it. Adventure it. Adventure with your dog. Adventure with friends. Coworkers who become friends. Go do it. That's, that's what rooster road trip is all about. To prove that you can make lasting memories. So I'll remind you to always follow the dog something good will rise we'll see you for episode four rooster road trip 2023 the heart the hunting the heartland edition coming up next thanks for listening